This episode of Earl Grey is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for iPhone, iPad, and iPod, Android, Kindle, Windows Phone, plus Mac or PC. To get a free audiobook of your choice, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. Hey everyone, I'm Rod Roddenberry, and you're listening to Trek FM. Earl Grey hot. It's time for another serving of Earl Grey, our dedicated TNG show. I'm Darren Moser, sitting in the center chair this week, and I'm joined by my co-host, head cyberneticist of the Daystrom Institute, Commander Daniel Prue, who's sitting back at Science Station 2. Uh, what brings you to the Enterprise, Daniel? How's it going, Darren? I, I just, I've never been on a Galaxy class. This is pretty exciting. I thought I'd take a tour of the ship, maybe see what are these, yeah. these sophisticated computer systems you have. Oh, and th- uh-huh. there's something else. Oh, I'm just going to need your, your Android. I'm just going to take them with me. Okay, that's totally... Wait, 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 wait. Oh. Oh, no, I have, well, I have this Android requisition form here I can give you. It's, it's signed and everything, so I just get to take them with me. Oh, this pad looks pretty official. I don't... Okay, I'll I'll think about that. Well, I'm also joined by my co-host, Philip Gilfus, who claims he has this newfangled tool which will allow us to podcast in dangerous situations. Uh, tell me about this, you know, new discovery, Philip. Yeah, it's called the Exodacity. And, um, you know, there's a lot of times where you only have Wi-Fi um, and you're talking uh, at different places. This enables you to talk on, on, in any environment, and, um, you know, I just throw it around the, the, the place, and you pretty much just do what you want with it. But, I mean, what, what if we needed to podcast, like, on the surface of the sun? Would it, would it be safe to, to send this there? That would be stupid and ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, as long as the line is drawn somewhere. <laughs> I mean, you obviously need an egg-shaped spacecraft to go anywhere near a star, I mean, maybe we have some, like, metaphasic uh, shielding. I could add that. Well, let me go back to the drawing board. Okay. Are there other little drawing boards, or are they, like, pad drawing boards, like really large pads? Actually, it's making a lot of beep, booping, blurping. I'll, 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 I'll erase that. That's probably nothing. Just wipe it and start over. That's what I always say. Well, uh, oh, that was a fun opening, guys. Uh, but this week on Earl Grey, we're going to be talking about artificial intelligence in the 24th century. And, of course, let's just get our, uh, you know, not the elephant in the room, but the android in the room uh, out of the way and cover Data and his assorted family tree. Oh, I thought you meant Daniel. I thought that was kind of like really insult to say to him. But Okay, Data. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yes, they both begin with D, but no, they are not the same. Well, one is my name and one is not. So. <laughs> <laughs> one is a fictional character and one is my name. <laughs> so, Lieutenant Commander Data, I mean, you can't not make a list without putting him at the top. Uh, you know, we're introduced to him in Encounter at Farpoint. Uh, we see him progress from whistling to belly laughs to actual emotions. Uh, as you know, he he's our uh, pseudo Spock character. <laughs> just, I'm sorry, I just have to interrupt you. You act like that's like a natural progression, like for like that's what everybody goes through when their kids growing well, up. Well, yeah, it's like the first three <laughs> check boxes. <laughs> <laughs> when you're the a kid, first law of Android laughs. is whistling. <laughs> <laughs> when you're a kid, you start by whistling, then you move into belly laughs, and then finally you have. Real I believe movies. Shakespeare said that the three acts of man are whistle and. Hey, of the only one of the three of us who actually has a child, you have no right <laughs> to doubt my parenting methods. But, uh, yes, okay, I, I do see in hindsight that does seem like a strange progression. But, uh, but no, so we have, we have data, and he is our lens uh, to wanting to be human. Uh, I mean, a lot of people have compared him to kind of the Spock-like character, but Spock didn't want to be human. He was kind of the opposite. He had these blasted emotions that he Only you know, hated so much. Only there was an episode where they met and actually talked about how they were completely different. That that'd be a pretty good one. If they that would be a that. great idea. Uh, maybe in un- season it eight, would unify we'll the two of them <laughs> in some kind of. Um, I think I it would know, need like would at be. least two episodes to cover all of that. It'd be so you know amazing. what? Romulans. 
I just want to say that. That would be great. <laughs> Belly laughs. Oh, thinking... I thought we were just saying random things. Sorry. No, no, no. Now I'm like, watching The Graduate, uh, old movie kids, and like Daniel's like, I got one word for you. Romulans. <laughs> it's going to be big. <laughs> so, But what do we think of, of Data as his representation of where artificial intelligence goes? I mean, it's obviously well established that Data is very rare. He's a very unique android in the fact that it's very hard to create a, a true artificial well, intelligence. Except. Yeah. <laughs> except. Except if, he, if your name is soon. You say you very out, unique. You know, every year. Well, well, if you don't watch the original series, he's unique. But if you watch the original series when every third episode has some sort of robot android late. That looked fairly human to me. <laughs> I mean, they, they got the skin down. So I don't, you know, I mean... This is 24th century artificial intelligence, Daniel, so we're discounting all that's come before. <laughs> okay, fair enough. This is the Windows 8 of Androids. It's a completely different way to look at them. You know, it's not So you can actually the, touch them? Yeah, it's not the Windows 95 of TOS. Not the new touch interface. Because <laughs> I, remember, I remember Kirk touching some of those women androids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And the, 24th like, century, Daniel. 24th century. <laughs> okay. And then uh, I, I'm, I mud. That like was nothing but women androids in that episode. Oh, is that a new uh, Apple device? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> oh, and one more thing, I mud. <laughs> uh, you were saying, Philip? Well, I mean, I was just gonna, just quickly. I was going to say, like, Data's actually not very unique because he's actually the model A of androids um i mean because you can't say data without saying lore and if you must before and if you even must whatever the mom's name from the episode inheritance was um and so i mean those are sort of your sunian family of android models um which i don't know i was just thinking about this when we were when this topic came when we were talking about this topic that like in episode brothers where he's describing lore that you know that you know, he was made but then like the emotion got twisted and, and, and i'm like that's not really a scientific term like <laughs> how did the like how, I mean, you, you, it was 1.5 megajoules of twistedness i mean <laughs> I, I had to balance that out I and mean, it's just like you know we'll erase that subroutine and go with no emotions but um his his ethernet cables got plugged in upside down is what happened so is that even possible daniel that's crazy <laughs> in the 24th century it is <laughs> okay okay that makes total sense but i mean you you know so i mean i'm just trying to think what, what what's a sunni and andrew like how would you and then of course then you have and i'm sorry i'm i'm blanking on the mom's name but from inheritance and then you just like leapfrog into 100 percent human you go from like lore to data to a hundred percent she feelings, actually believes she's human. blood, everything. I'm like, that's a quick jump that uh, Doctor Soon did. Like, how come you didn't like refit data in Brothers with all that stuff? But anyway, well, it, you know, if we and this is interesting, we'll talk a lot about this. But if we're going to use data as essentially the twenty, the next generation era uh, of artificial intelligence, he starts the journey and hot. To the to the journey. To the journey. Um, yeah. No, but no, but actually, this is this is good. We're talking about this because just not too long ago, um, on to the journey, Tristan and Char talked about uh, Measure of a Man, and it's interesting because in a lot of ways, Data's journey as like I guess you could call him at least like the Federation AI, the artificial intelligence. It starts with Data and kind of comes full circle because by the end of. Uh, Voyager, we're, we I think we're pretty adept at our artificial intelligence, at least, right? Well, that's true. I mean, I didn't I didn't have the doctor on my on my list because he was he was next not next gen, but that's absolutely right. I mean, that's uh, it. They kind of broached that subject in author author as far as you know, there it sits, you know. But they they don't really want to draw a draw a dotted line yet. Um, so I don't know. The Doctor was in an episode with Counselor Troy, so I think of the Doctor more as a TNG character. <laughs> <laughs> and Barkley, right? Yes. <laughs> it wasn't until he interacted with Barkley that he uh, truly found his footing as a as an oh guest. That's the most <laughs> true statement I've ever uttered here on uh, on Earl Grey. But was the but, was the Doctor ever in a scene with Q? He must have been, right? I'm I'm just probably forgetting. It. I mean, because Q was there, so. Most likely, but I don't remember him doing a lot in that episode. 
uh, episodes. And then a few episodes, yeah. In the Trill QG. The Trill QG. (laughs) So so we have data. So we have, you know, and lore, uh, you know, two sides of the same positronic coin. Uh, and but but you know it's definitely described that this is super complex, very difficult to create uh, an android. And uh, as we see later, um, you know we have Lao. So Lao being you know Data's offspring, Data's creation to to procreate, uh, which he did not tell Picard about. Uh, but as Data so well put it, I don't see anyone else <laughs> uh, consulting you on whether or not they're procreating. <laughs> Uh, at the moment, and I, that that shut uh, Captain Picard right up. <laughs> um, <laughs> but what do we think of? I mean, you can't really talk about. Uh, I mean, when you talk about Lau, you're talking about the episode basically because it's all about her of the of the offspring. Uh, and this was a, a pretty good episode. I I really enjoyed the themes they delved on, and um, I was reading in the behind the scenes that you know in the script it was it was very much all about Lau, like it was super focused on her, and they had the forethought to say, okay, well. But you can't make the entire episode about a guest character. It has to be about how our characters, mainly Data, interact with that and respond to this new, you know, event or person. So, how do you guys feel that Data, uh, you know, in this example, you know, interacted, or or how did he grow from being a father for a few days? Well, I, I just real quick off to the side here, Darren. You're telling me that you didn't tell your boss that you were planning on having a child? Come on now. <laughs> I, now I I mean, I told him when when we knew we were going to have a child, <laughs> but that's kind of a little bit later. I'm just I'm just kidding. Uh, but it's it is interesting. Like, I think The Offspring is a fantastic episode, and but in that episode, you know, specifically on the topic of artificial intelligence, we are told. That essentially data just kind of copy pastes his artificial intelligenceness into her, and um, that's true. There's some sort of corruption that goes on there, or something that doesn't work. He didn't defrag his hard drive before <laughs> attempting the uh, the share my back to my Mac. So, so her intelligence is essentially well, in, well, which is kind of an interesting parallel, right? Because you know, you know, we're we are like our parents and like our children, like they are part of us and. She was, she came from data by, you know, in all intents and purposes. And it's interesting to look at it from that perspective, but it's also, it's also not a unique situation in the sense that, um, this artificial intelligence had already arisen and it was just kind of an, an offshoot of that. Mm. What do you think? think, Philip? Well, I think one thing about the offspring to, and and I'm not, y'all are more sciencey than me, but I think from a science aspect, that you get to see the the development, I mean, of the fictional, but still, of the positronic brain and consciousness and relays. Because even Data says that she really hasn't developed, I don't know if he says consciousness or sentience yet, but, like, that she's slowly developing that. Like, okay, she hasn't, tell, you know, to use the Picardian definition or the Max... Uh, Commander Maddox definition, you know, she has intelligence and, all, and and consciousness, you know, maybe, but then that sentience, and so Data's evolving her or, or, or taking her through those childhood, quote-unquote, steps of the getting sentience, and so, like, you know, learning words, learning concepts, uh, learning to make out with Riker, you know, the basic <laughs> android stuff. It was one stuff. kiss. It was one kiss, Philip. I mean... Uh, um... <laughs> I anyway, um, but anyway, but because I I remember what's the episode where I think this is the one where the whole Troy flashback Utopia Planitia suicide kills Worf oh, that episode um, the season six or seven seven yeah yeah seven. season seven but anyway, it's yeah and I'm yeah, blanking on the mean. name but basically when they're talking about I believe that's the episode where they talk about suicide and Data tells Jordy that he actually thought about suicide and Jordy's like what and it is like well yeah yeah when i was developing you know my positronic brain or my my you know whatever circuits or or whatever you know and it just was really hard i'm paraphrasing it was just really hard and i thought maybe just be easier just delete everything and start all over again but i decided to see it as a challenge instead so i mean kind of get those insights of Mm. what it's like for those sunian positronic brains to develop that's true. It's it's not we don't I mean we even though we don't see it except through exposition, it's not like, you know, soon turn data on and he was basically the data we know. 
he had to still develop after being activated in his social graces, in his, you know, ability to comprehend things. Uh, I mean, he still doesn't know what Snoop means. I mean, that took him a couple <laughs> decades. So uh, there's a, Just yeah. Be glad he's wearing clothes, apparently. <laughs> apparently. So, but yeah, but no, but The Offspring, a great episode and, and a good question. I'm glad they made this episode. I'm glad they raised this point because I think this would have definitely been something that we would have missed if we hadn't gotten it. It You know, it's it's really interesting topic to talk about because, like, I, I think that Data has fantastic growth, obviously, probably mo- more than any of the other characters in the seven seasons that we got, but... Because I love the character so much, even in Encounter at Farpoint, I'm, like, rooting for him, and I kind of consider him sentient. I kind of consider him, you know, uh, a being with rights and, and, re- and, you know, all of these things that we learn about in Measure of a Man and all this, all of these things. But, like, they mentioned in that episode, and, Philip, like you just mentioned now, uh, maybe uh, sentience is – or consciousness or whatever isn't a switch, isn't a you, – you've hit it, but it's a gradient, and – these robots, all of these intelligences, gain it over time. It's not something like, oh, now you are, now you're a real creature. Now you're, now you have consciousness. But you're saying the scale is a scale of shades of gray. <laughs> like most things in life, yeah, it's not, it's not binary, unless you're the binars. Um, but, <laughs> uh, but it is, you know, it's kind of a scale. You're dead or alive, one or zero. <laughs> but now I'm trying to think since. Data downloaded Lol into himself, right? At the end of The Offspring. He did. Yeah. yeah. And then Data downloaded himself into B4 at Nemesis. So does that mean Lol is also in B4? I'm getting a Horcrux vibe off of this whole uh, <laughs> Data I'm propagation. I'm just saying there's a Kevin Bacon game that you can play here. <laughs> oh, well, the the next AI that I wanted to talk about is I, I, I can't really list an ep- episode this is in because it's in almost every single episode. The computer, uh, you know, not just uh, the holodeck parts, which we'll get to in a moment, but really this. I mean, this is a computer that controls so many functions of the ship. I mean, it's a ship of a thousand people, but you know, it there's a lot that's automated by the 24th century and. Especially in in some episodes, like isn't uh, Emergence, I believe, yes. uh, where you know it's basically through by getting hit, you know, it was hit by cosmic rays, and then the uh, and then it the turned fan- into this green monster that yeah. could. Oh wait, that's <laughs> no, no, cosmic rays. That's it's it's uh, it's. I was making a Fantastic Four reference there, Philip. Oh, I was uh, about to say you wouldn't like to see the Enterprise D when it's angry. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, and so, but besides that, just when it's in its daily operation, you know, from answering people's questions to performing, you know, complex tasks, what do we think of the enterprise itself, the computer as an artificial intelligence? It, it I mean, it, it responds as a person. I mean, it doesn't have a roboticized tint to its voice. It doesn't, you know, nothing against the TOS one, but it doesn't go like working. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yes, it it sounds a little computerized, but it, you can't hear it its fan moving. It it, 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 but it responds in a pretty dynamic human way. What do we think of the computer? I'm trying to remember. Isn't there? What's? I feel like it's a season two. Like there's the episode where like Data's talking to the computer, and Data's like, "Oh, I, I'm," you know, the computer's like, "What is your inquiry?" He's like, "Oh no, I'm talking to myself," and he keeps talking, and the computer's like, "Yeah, thanks. That's enough. You stop talking." <laughs> I, I was remembering that too. I remember there was like one moment where the computer was super sarcastic, and I can't I can't remember exactly what happens in it though. But yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think, and again, this is probably all Bailey Wick more than mine. But like you know, I don't. We don't ever really get per se deep into the computer. Like you know, the computer core. Where's everything located? How big is everything? The files are inside the computer. <laughs> <laughs> There's a series of tubes, well, we do, I believe. Though. I mean, we I mean, we do see the upper core. We see the core, you right? Know, in um, the in, the uh, Wesley builds the uh, evolution, right? We see the core. The wonder. No, it's uh in the in uh yeah in Wonderkind. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's a, Paul it's evolution. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, so yeah, so it's, you know, it's a bit of a stretch. I mean, it, it's obviously, uh, a very, a person, you know, being, 
being the computer, a tiny, tiny person that's inside that computer core. Rachel wasn't that tiny. (laughs) She's probably about five. Oh, wait. (laughs) But you know what? And I know, like, we're going to talk about this in a second. Um, And I don't, but it's difficult for me to divorce the computer from the holodeck because the computer controls the holodeck. So it's just a function of the computer. It's the computer's imagination. (laughs) Exactly. So what, what kind of, like, you're right. Wait, wait. Now, now I'm just picturing the computer having like a little red caboose that like goes into the holodeck, and then you have to go into the <laughs> ding, land of imagination. Ding. It's a beautiful day on the holodeck. <laughs> a beautiful day for a deadly holodeck well, Pat- adventure. Patrick Stewart showed up on Sesame Street. Did he ever show up on Mister Rogers' Neighborhood? I'm not sure, but no. Oh. That would have been great. No. Like, like I think uh, Wesley did because he had the sweater, right? Is that? Oh, I may be mixing. <laughs> I know up there. Levar Burton showed up on Reading Rainbow. I mean, he <laughs> has a little bit of pull with the host. But you know, uh, it, I'm glad you brought up the TOS computer because the TOS computer, you know, now looking back, of course, is ridiculous and and working, working. Like you yeah. know, I mean, it's like yeah. the the same thing that all the '60s science fiction television did. But I don't think it. I don't really think we took enough of a leap forward. I don't think they really tried that hard because, I mean, don't get me wrong. I think. Uh, Major Barrett does a great job as the voice, but I don't think uh, maybe there's a reason. Maybe it's because there's got to be no nonsense. It has to be kind of you. Know, this could mean life or death. This computer has got to just give you the information straight out. And but I mean, in a in a world where you can create fully realized characters, you would think that the computer would have maybe a little more personality of some kind. You know what I mean? And one, That's true. One aspect, it's very bland. One aspect, too, that I wanted to bring up was what we talked about just a few weeks ago uh, in um, – oh, God. I'm so bad at these episode names. Uh, uh, click, 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 click. The one with Chisholm. Schisms, yeah. Thank you. Uh, and how – you know, they're just talking to the computer on the holodeck. And the computer is smart enough to just be like, oh, this is what you mean. This is exactly what you're looking for. Because so. when I say table, that's com- exactly <laughs> what I think of. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, you know, this is, I mean, now that you say that, especially in, in the 21st century, but like, I would almost imagine that in the 24, well, in, in 23rd too, but in the 24th century in TNG, like, wouldn't the voice of the computer be different in each person's quarters? Because, like, just like a GPS, you'd set your preference. Like, <laughs> I want mine to be have a British accent female. Or, you know, like, Troy's just changes accents every week um, for some reason. Um, but anyway, you know, that there would be a lot more personalization about what the computer would do with every person. About, like, oh, when I walk into my quarters, I want you to always have my schedule. Or I always want you to just automatically pour me some tea or something. <laughs> Play my top 40, computer. I need <laughs> no, no, to no. unwind. Something a little bit more samba ear. <laughs> well, and, and but not the Samba. It's a great point, too, because like we now, in 2014, we have you know Siri and Cortana and Google, who are essentially kind of we interact with... I mean, they're real close. We're, they're getting very close to that level of sophistication, uh, you know, as far as... So it's not hard to see 20, 20, uh, 20 years out, we're going to definitely have the enterprise computer at least on the, in the same in the way that we interact with it we're going to be able to say hey what does this mean or what do we do here or what's going on and it's going to have that same level of sophistication so i feel like and i know in 1987 they they couldn't know that but star trek is usually pretty 1987 <laughs> <laughs> well i mean and there's sometimes where the responsiveness of the computer i think is is definitely i mean it's all of course plot based but like you know it's like I'm like thinking. I don't even know what episode I'm thinking, but like Riker trying to look for something. Like maybe it was the naked motor, whichever one is the TNG one. And he's like, yeah, you know, I'm trying to computer like the something about the Enterprise history. And they're like, yeah, 15 million searches. You know, no, no, no. It's the one with and like, please do you add the one some with keywords. That? Yeah, well, yeah. So. Th- and that specific uh, point, Philip, is a is a plot point in Future Imperfect. That's how he realizes. <laughs> Hey, you guys are not real because Jordy was like working on the computer core for however long, or, or no, it was with data. Actually, it was with data, right? It was data, yeah, yeah. yeah. Data well, no, took it was, a while it, to to remember a you know yeah. poker bet or something. How long will it take, it data? Been. If there are two trains traveling in space, one at four <laughs> miles an hour, <laughs> two space trains are traveling towards each other. No, you can't. Well, Don't even try. <laughs> Well, to answer your 
your point, Philip, on the customization, which I, I totally see what you're saying, but isn't Starfleet kind of basically the military of, you know, the Federation? So wouldn't it kind of make sense that they had a standardized, like, this is what you get on a starship? Last Maybe time I a, checked, a Troy could wear whatever she wanted. So... <laughs> Uh, I okay, I think we true, I true. think we need to take a crack at that conversation because uh, it's one I hear constantly and I have some some opinions. oh is is Starfleet of the yeah, the yeah. Military? Starfleet as a military okay well, let's let's uh, do you want to talk about no that no 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 that? that's a okay, whole okay, okay okay yeah let's, <laughs> this is gonna be like a podcast within a podcast. Like, well, the one chapter <laughs> title will be, like, 45 minutes Podcast-ception. long. Podcastception. Welcome to the Battle Bridge, guys. Uh, <laughs> so as we were uh, moving past, you know, just the computer itself, like Daniel was saying, you you can't think of the computer without thinking of the holodeck. And the two uh, that, that first come to my mind are Minuet and Moriarty. Uh, which I cannot spell, because every time I write it, I, I just can't spell it. But with Minuet... You know, she, yes, she's a creation partially from, you know, binar superior programming. Uh, But, you know, again, you get this, this person that reacts and, you know, as I mean, Riker falls in love so much that his memories links her to being his actual wife. That's not creepy at all. (laughs) But, uh, but what do we think of, of Minuet first of, uh, as, as a artificial intelligence portrayed on the holodeck? When I'm just thinking about Riker saying he could never find that file, I'm just thinking, like, maybe it's there. He just was, like, looking up, like, Minuet, like, am I? Uh, like, he wasn't looking for the, the file name 01101000110001 because that was Minuet's program right there, obviously. He forgot so. who wrote it. <laughs> yeah. Classic, classic search mistake. I mean, we all know now. We've established that he doesn't know how to uh, search the computer. Mm. Very well, right. the, but, like... I mean, the, the whole responsiveness thing comes back to me about Minuet because she was a program that would interact with a person. So Jean-Luc comes in. She starts speaking French. Will's talking to her. She knows everything about jazz. It's that whole sort of responsive. Yeah, Minuet's interesting. Um, I, I don't know. Like, thinking back on that episode, because I love that episode, but um, this was after we had uh, The Big Goodbye. And I don't really feel like she does anything crazy sophisticated beyond what we saw in The Big Goodbye. Like, the people there, you know, were inhabiting characters and they picked up on the people that they were interacting with. Um, I mean, I know we're told she's special and that's fine. If that's what it is for Riker, that's okay. Um, But, like, it doesn't take... No, 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 Daniel. She's fine. (laughs) And then, to, you know, on top of that, we you also mentioned Moriarty, who we see, you know, not too many episodes after this, and he is, I think, much much more sophisticated than than she was. So maybe she was just a stepping stone. Well, I guess I don't know. Well, I would say, you know, that yes, you have the Dixon Hill characters, which are playing out within a narrow program. I think what what, what felt unique about Minuet was that she was programmed that she adapted almost exponentially as things came at her. So when, you know, like you said, when Picard comes in, like, I don't think the binars programmed. Oh, if the captain comes in, make sure you speak French. Like that's one of those infinite possibilities of, of what we could program. Instead, she had the, the advancedness of her, of her program itself to make that leap of logic and that's the trickiest thing, I think, with AI is making those logic leaps that we as humans do all the time. Uh, but but it's interesting as as well because, you know, she's basically the entire Enterprise computer is working on this, you know, uh, creating this program in essence. Yet later, you know, in Voyager, we get the doctor who apparently can fit his entire program on a business card on his sleeve you know that which you that's know. future technology though you can't uh that, that is true that's i said 24th century adamantly and that's uh 29th, 29th century you know. so but like isn't isn't minuet basically just vic 1.0 i mean she she, she knows which it did um, a lot in that uh 2.0 upgrade then uh, <laughs> yeah. that's true that is true <laughs> because i mean she she's aware that she's a hologram right 
Um, but she also That's has true. that responsiveness, and which I, I kind of love. And I mean, in some ways, it's insulting, but I love like when Picard and Riker are like talking about her in front of yeah. her. Like, wow, she's so responsive. I'm like, yeah, she's standing right there. Don't can stop being. Jackass, you know, like, it's, yeah. It's, <laughs> who knew photons and force fields could be so free, so uh, so beautiful? It's like that's that's racist, Picard. You can't. It's so that. funny because like we think of these things way before that they would have. Like, eat, like you know, we talked about Maddox earlier, and he like was like, oh, it, and you know, the thing, and like it's like even if if even if you were in front of him, you wouldn't like we wouldn't say those things in front of his face, even if we did think he wasn't it, we still would have the politeness not to do those things, but it seems like in the twenty fourth century people are just like you said, like I know there's literally at the very least a representation an image of somebody looking straight at me <laughs> and that I can interact with, and I'm still going to disregard them completely and pretend they're not even there. It's easier to fall into the illusion and just treat it like a person yeah. than it is to not. I think it's called the Jar Jar effect. Wait, so well, let's get to, to the next one. Daniel, I can tell you have a lot to say about uh, the Napoleon of crime. Uh, Moly, <laughs> maybe that's what he was called. I don't even remember. Uh, I felt like um, you were going to like introduce him like a like a wrestler or a boxer. He's the Napoleon of crime, <laughs> the con created of because con the man. loose lips Pulaski can't ask a correct question. <laughs> Moriarty, so, but yeah, so but like you said, he's he's much more of a intelligence, you know, an, uh, a created intelligence. Yeah, and so, well, and it's a super interesting episode, right? Because, especially for this topic, it's almost perfect for this topic. Um, episodes. Goodness, goodness, tell me the episode. Almost like I planned it that way. <laughs> what the heck is the title from that episode? Well, there's Elementary Dear Elementary Data, Data and Data. Ship in a Bottle. Yes. Elementary Dear yeah. Data is the one. Because you have, essentially, two dueling AIs. You have... When they give the computer the... <laughs> In this corner! <laughs> we have the 8 trillion ton Enterprise D. <laughs> it was Q, the one like holding this round. Does he have a little handlebar mustache like he sometimes sports? You have data that goes in there. And then somebody gives the command. I think it's Pulaski because that's what she does. Um, make fraud! Pulaski. Fraud! <laughs> make a... An opponent that can beat Data, and of course, I believe Jordy is, is the one. Well, it's well, it's definitely the, the Doctor Frankenstein. It's definitely because he's being goaded. Uh, we're still blaming Pulaski. It's because he's being goaded <laughs> by Pulaski. Yeah. Oh no, no, Data! He's just absorbing the stories and figuring out what's going. No, whatever. Uh, but it's interesting because it's it, who is smarter, right? It, it, essentially, is it Data? Is Data more of a true intelligence? Or is the computer? Now, presumably, you would think, since the Enterprise is a crazy sophisticated machine and much, much larger, so has the capabilities to do much, much more things, you would think that the Enterprise might win out that kind of thing. Well, but whatever. That's fine. Um, but it's a really interesting idea, I think. And Moriarty becomes a super interesting character when he gains... I think he is the essentially the proto-doctor, right? I think a lot of the concepts they got from the doctor come from these two episodes um, because once he gains sentience, we see in two episodes kind of what uh, the doctor does in the first season or so, I guess I would say, uh, of Voyager. And then don't forget he also creates the Countess... Yeah. Or gives her that ability too, but like I'm trying to right. think. I don't. Know, I don't know where I heard this, but I'm, this is a well. It's not a, a an original thought, but I was listening to, to some non Trek podcast. I know. I know it happens occasionally. But is it on Trek FM? Was... <laughs> is Chris is Chris on this podcast, Philip? Just tell us <laughs> but it was. I forget. They're talking about. I guess there's some book or some group of essays about different ways to predict of how the world could end. Um, and by the world, it's like human civilization, like different ways that that could be that could set us back and we could never recover. And one of those was about AI. And, and one of those central points was that AI at some point can create something beyond itself, that beyond what we can create, um, it's, you know, that makes it something different that we can't even think of, that it can create itself that way. And so I'm thinking about this episode with with Moriarty. I mean, that's basically what happens, like. 
how can Moriarty be smarter than Data? I mean, is the Enterprise computer smarter than Data? Um, so, so basically, we've we've created something that cre- cre- can create something even better and bigger than we could ourselves create. And like that's when you get into the Skynet, whatever they can take over the world at this point. <laughs> Singularity. But it's it's not only that, Philip. The exact same thing happens in the Offspring. Because we're told, I mean, this is the silliest example of this possible, but but in three days or whatever, um, Lol can speak in contractions. And Data's like, oh my, I, oh my goodness, I've created something that has already... You get a gold star! <laughs> gold star! Gold star! And he goes, yes! Yes! <laughs> <laughs> and then he cries in Pet's spot because he's so emotional. Oh wait, no, not yet. <laughs> No crying. But, you know, it's the same exact thing where you're right. We see this progression of, well, if we can create creatures of creativity, they then can create their own creatures and so on. And so who knows how long that chain would go. But um, but but it's this these two elements, Moriarty and Lol, are kind of maybe two sides of the same coin. One of the one from the Enterprise and one from Data. Well, it, it's interesting. I've, I've always speculated that at the very end in the of of a ship in a bottle where Moriarty is quote unquote tricked into thinking he's escaped a part of me almost wonders if he knew because he's really intelligent like or i mean apparently more enough than data to realize that he's <laughs> still in the you know in the holodeck and i'm almost wondering if he's like you know i get that you can't do this so uh, but now I have to save face for the countess because I want her to believe. And just as, you know, data chooses to not spoil the fact that his mother is not, you know, human. I, I part of me has always wondered if Moriarty knew that he had not escaped the holodeck, uh, and just re- decided to just go along with it. Well, yeah. Cause I remember when I was rewatching ship in the bottle, it kind of struck me that to me Moriarty which understandably so to the extent you think he has emotions um was very emotional in ship in the bottle i mean the understandable part is that he's been stuck in the buffer for you know 3 or 4 years and you know talk however. to scotty come on jeez <laughs> <laughs> and didn't he um, claim that he felt the passage of time he did. Yeah, yeah he did yeah and so you can understand why he he got he got a little bit conny if we can use that phrase um but um but the, like but like you said, like he's he's basically like holding Picard and, and company hostage, saying, you know, you do this, you make it, so I can go out. And they're all like, shrug. I don't, well, I don't know. Yeah. And then you know, he's telling then Riker and, and the rest of them, like, make it. And they're all like, we can't, like, w- w- even if we wanted to. And he's, he's like, like, do no, or do not. There is no try. And he's <laughs> yeah, like, he's what? like, do it anyway. But like, he has to know to the extent that he can know that, like. We don't know how to do that. We haven't created mobile emitters yet. We have no idea how to do what you want us to do. Now, I don't know if this ever showed up in the novels, but I think it would be awesome if Moriarty hijacked the Doctor's mobile emitter at one point. Oh, that would be great. Voyager gets back. That would be a great episode. Well, and well, what I was thinking, in a in a better alternate universe than we live in now, we could replace an insurrection movie with with a con-like Moriarty movie. And who knows? Ooh. Maybe we could get Q to let him out or something. That would be cool. And uh, or just have Barkley do it again. He just didn't doesn't learn his lesson. <laughs> this is Data Node five seven eight four two. You know, maybe not the same kind of thing, but it would be interesting. Um, well, didn't we say that you know when the Enterprise D crashed in Generations, that was sitting on a table and it fell off and got unplugged, and we we're just really sad for Moriarty because <laughs> now he's uh, erased from existence. <laughs> Well, you didn't see the part where where Reg is running out, um, you know, running across the the quarter of the saucer, and he drops the data node with Moriarty, and he goes back to get it, but everyone's pushing him. And he, and <laughs> does he does he drop it, and it like opens up like a pokeball, and then all of a sudden Moriarty appears? Because that would be awesome. I choose you. <laughs> Well, the next uh, point I wanted to to bring up was uh, was brought up by uh, Philip when we were discussing this topic, uh, the exocomps uh, in <laughs> quality of life, uh, little mini R two D twos as you would. But no, I mean this is also a great uh, episode for artificial intelligence because just like Measure of a Man, I mean Data even references the events of Measure of a Man, 
uh, he feels drawn to defend these, uh, you know, thinking tools uh, that, you know, apparently they, they've demonstrated enough intelligence or self-preservation even that that kind of warrants them the tag of sentience. So it's it's a it's a different take again on the same problem of uh, of what is alive or what is you know it's and it, 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 I really don't see Picard you know jumping in the courtroom again pointing at the escocomp going there it sits or is plugged in and charging you know it's <laughs> not quite the same uh, you know it's you, you mentioned R2 and I love R2 but I have to say at least the exocomps had the ability to fly from the get go it wasn't just something that they added in later on. What do you mean earlier on? <laughs> or whatever. Uh, uh, <laughs> exocomps, but, exocomps. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, like, and one thing I've been thought, because I think in the Babel conference, someone mentioned um, one of the TNG episodes about, I think the offspring, but I think it's true almost in all these AI shows, even Measure of a Man, even, um, what's the exocomp episode called? I can't remember. Quality of Life. Quality of Life. Um, the offspring and all these ones like Picard is pretty much the bad guy for like fifty percent to seventy five percent of these episodes. Like he like it's not like he's like yes I agree the exocomps are alive and I agree that laws should be a hundred percent free and I think data should no like it takes him like the whole episode honestly and so it's interesting he needs to be convinced each and every time yeah 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 and I mean, which in some ways it's frustrating but in some ways it sort of forces the issue. That and even I mean even with the exocomps even Data like he, he is the advocate but even he you know loses faith you know near the end until they they prove themselves um, and so I think that's sort of the interesting thing that in all these episodes of the Next Generation that that there's sort of the the onus is to not think that they're alive to not think that they're beings to not treat them as if they have hundred percent rights and I don't know if this is intentional or not but. Star Trek presents a world in which we're completely okay with with sentient beings that have 52 eyes and, and a clear skull and in the Sheliac, I mean they're just weird. Yeah, right. You know. Third like, third like genders. Plato. <laughs> uh, what are the what are the original series ones that are like super hot and they can't um the Tholians like we can we're totally okay with that and Okay, when you said TOS and super hot, there were so many other directions I thought you were going in. I mean, I mean there's not a list long enough to list all the super hot aliens from TOS. Um, and green-skinned Orions, right? Yeah, um, but... Uh, I am black on the right side. <laughs> uh, but maybe it is some... Maybe they're trying to make... Maybe not intentionally, but maybe they're trying to make a point about... It's easier for us to accept other creatures, other biological creatures... As especially in Rodberry's humanoid shaped, exactly, world, especially right? in like the Horda, you know, even the Horda, but even the Horda, that, that was like the whole point of the episode was how yeah. different it was. And, um, but but once we are dealing with our own creations, maybe we're just resistant to this idea that that we could grant or give uh, something that that level of sophistication and intelligence. I mean, the whole sort of accidental creating life. Um, cause I mean, I don't know. I feel like I don't want to get too controversial, but I like, you know, just of how did human life begin? And, you know, obviously there's, there's scientific and then theological and mystical and whatever. Uh, but, um, but, we you know, saw how... this in all good things, Philip. I don't know. Maybe we should pay <laughs> Well, yeah. And Q is in the afterlife, but, um, but like, you know, like, so, you know, how accidental or purposeful was, was human life, but like, you know, so, but creation of uh, us as humans, as we create machines, Will we accidentally create life? And then it's like, well, no, 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 we didn't mean to. So it's not life. But like, well, who, maybe we did and we didn't realize it. Like with the exocomps. She was like, no, no, it's just a tool I created. It's not a, it's not a big deal. Yeah. And that's like, well, that's like the most kind of one of the most deepest questions I think Star Trek asks us to think about is what if what, in a world, in a future world in 300 years, if we have the ability to grant life to things then what does that say about us and what does that say about the universe? And that's the, I mean, that's intensely, you know, that's based on what you think and how you feel and, and what you believe in. But that's a, that's a really important question to, to kind of, you know, chew on. 
Well, and that ties into the the last AI I had listed, uh, Wesley's Nanites from the episode Evolution. And again, that's just the exact same thing that you said, Philip. It's an accident. He left two, <laughs> you know, nanites out, and they made two more, and they made two more, and you know, and but at the end, it, they progress so exponentially because they're chewing on that yummy, uh, gummy computer core memory that they're just like, oh, by the way, yeah, we don't even need, you know, whatever corporeal forms anymore. We're just going to ball light our way out, <laughs> you know, and, uh, they use the same it, port. It seems like a lot of emergent, a lot of emergency intelligence do that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they're, they're... It's just like we're, instant. We're, it's we're, like, we're... Oh, you know what? We're beyond humanoid form. Let's just turn into light. That's great. We're travelering it. <laughs> yeah. It's the best way to get around. I mean, it really is. Um, like, I, I, so I'm trying to think. Like, is every life form Glinda the Good Witch? Because that's pretty much <laughs> just light bubble. Mm. <laughs> they always come out of that one spot on the saucer. It's like, <laughs> like, is there a hatch there? Did like, did what? When the first one left, they left little trails. Like, exit this way, <laughs> just so people knew. That's right above Riker's quarters. It's always where the most interesting things are going on. Oh, so. gosh. <laughs> now I can just see, like, the most interesting first officer in the world. <laughs> I, don't, I don't always, I don't always put my hall. leg on things. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, I do always put my leg up on the chair when I sit there. Well, Stay yeah, jazzy, think... my friends. <laughs> and there's the That's title. Humble. There's the title for you right there. <laughs> Well, guys, it's been a lot of fun talking about, you know, AI, emergent intelligence, and everything in between. But this is just one of the many Trek topics that we've been talking about on Trek FM this week. Here's a quick look at what you may have missed elsewhere on the network. Previously on Trek.fm, Standard Orbit. But instead of it being a human being prejudiced against Vulcans because the Romulans look like Vulcans... The Vulcans are taking advantage of themselves looking like Romulans in order to be racist against Romulans. Earl Grey. So he's got the two armrests, and the right one says little, you know, Ensign, you know, Lamont, and the little arrow. And then the one on the, on the left says Lieutenant Commander Data. <laughs> like a little arrow. Yep. The orb. But when they pull away from that window with Jake and Kira, and they pull away from the station, it's like they're closing the book. They're, they're actually closing the back cover of the book, and it's the end of the story. To the journey! How do you feel, Char, about the Borg Queen? Oh, boy. I think the longer that I have watched Star Trek, the more I'm in the camp of, I don't know if I like her. The Ready Room. They want you to come across on Archer's side where he can be mad at Trip, But I have a really hard time being Archer being mad at Trip because... Just think of if we still treated, you know, people of a different race like this. Mission Log, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. That can honestly be the reason they brought Wesley, because Wesley's got nothing else going for him there. I mean, yes, he can lead those kids, but that's just going to be by virtue of his age, mm -hmm. right? I mean, he's 15 years old. Of course, all the other kids are going to look up to him, at least for a while. And then if he ends up being a total tool, then they won't. Commentary, Trek stars. Yeah, yeah, well, Learning you know. Curve was never meant to be a season one finale. They were going to do the 37s, and then UPN wanted to open season two with it, and that totally didn't work either. Man, you gotta, you gotta say, UPN really ooped it up. Literary Treks. What Jerry Taylor talks about with Catherine Janeway's life is it's kind of a series of her relationships. I mean, she should be doing all sorts of fantastic things, right? And instead, we're learning about her boyfriends. Melodic Treks. But there's a whole host of, of people that appear in Star Trek. As I said, most of it is classical, so it's Verdi, Vivaldi, Strauss, Trojkotsky, um, Harry Kim. The 602 Club. This really does have an impact on, I think, the entire you know, comic book world. Dark Knight, Dark Knight Returns still have a huge impact in the way that people view Batman today. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So you can check out all these shows and get in on the daily Trek talk. You'll find them in iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, the Windows Podcast Directory for Xbox and Zune, or you can stream from the website. Basically, you can find them anywhere. Just visit 
trek.fm slash pd for podcast directory to get all the links. And if you would like to contact us to share your thoughts on today's show, just go to trek.fm slash contact. From there, choose send to show and, of course, select Earl Grey. These messages will be emailed to the three of us personally. Finally, in social media, you'll find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash trek.fm and on Twitter under username trek.fm. Our new listener discussion group is called The Babel Conference, found by typing The Babel Conference, of course, in the Facebook search field, so you can find us there. Please support our sponsor, Audible.com, who helps us bring Earl Grey to you each week. Audible is a great way for you to read all of the books you've always wanted to read, but never thought you'd have time for. Audible is the premier source for audiobooks with more than 150,000 titles to choose from, and new titles coming every week. From classics to current bestsellers, and even some of the most famous Star Trek books, like Prime Directive, Federation, and Spock's World, Audible has something for everyone. As a Trek FM listener, you can get a free audiobook of your choice, along with a 30-day trial to see just how great Audible is. So give it a try today, catch up on all those classic Star Trek books you've yet to read, and that latest novel from your favorite author as well. Just go to audibletrial.com slash trekfm and sign up today. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash trekfm, and we thank Audible for supporting Earl Grey and all of Trek FM. And lastly, there's one more way you can directly help us keep Earl Grey coming to you each week, and that is through becoming a patron of Trek FM. By visiting www.patreon.com slash trekfm, you can choose among various pledge levels and receive rewards for becoming a Trek FM patron. These rewards let you inside the observation lounge of our network and make it possible for us to distribute all of our great content. So please become a Trek FM patron and visit www.patreon.com slash trekfm today. So, Daniel, if someone wanted to talk to you about your favorite Noonian android, because there's just so many to choose from, where could they find you? It's Data. Uh, but they can find Data. 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 Oh, Data. Gosh. Now we have to do an episode about this. Uh, they can find me on Twitter, uh, of course. Um, and that uh, my handle is 1updan. That is the number one, not the word. And Philip, if someone wanted to talk to you about uh, just that, um, I don't know, inappropriate uh, kiss on the cheek you gave Lau last week, uh, where could they find you? Um, look, my intentions were to really date her. I mean, they were actually, that was my intentions. But anyway, they can find me on Twitter. Um, I mean, don't say data. Uh, and actually, don't I really would have preferred. <laughs> I would prefer it if she had actually been the big-headed Andorian woman, but that's just me. Um, but they can find me on Twitter. My handle there is NC Public Servant. That's NC, like North Carolina. And if someone wants to talk to me about how I spell Moriarty, uh, <laughs> just don't even ask because it's, <laughs> it gets worse every time. They can find me on Twitter under username Dr. Sci-Fi. Well, now I think uh, I'm going to go rewatch uh, Ship in the Bottle because that's that's just a lot of fun and dream about uh, Moriarty hijacking the mobile emitter that is now in my uh, my new fanfic computer so, arch does, does Data dream of electric sheep does <laughs> live long and prosper make it so endgame fire